Bzz, bzz. Uh, hello? No, they're, uh, they're busy right now listening to their favorite podcast episode. Can I take a message? Sure. Hey, uh, your knees just called. They said, can you please listen to this episode? They really need your help. Sorry, I had to. Welcome back to the Omega Sports Learn to Run podcast. My name is Dr. Matt Minard, pronounced my nerd, and I am honored to be your host. If you are new, welcome. I am so glad you found us. Here's how this works. You vote on the topics, and then the winner, I create content around that topic on all my social media platforms. If you are a regular, welcome back. I am so blown away and thankful and appreciative of all the support and the continued success of this podcast. If you're a visual learner like me, go and check out my YouTube, Learn to Run. I post these episode recordings and I add visuals that coincide with the concepts I'm talking about to try to enhance learning. So what was the winner? What was the winner of this week? Well, you guessed it. The knees, knee pain in runners. This is a hot topic. Knee pain is unfortunately so common, so common. And we're saying this depends on where you read. 80 to 90% of runners a year will get injured. Of those, knee pain is the most common. And why is that? Well, I hope to help to explain why that is. But most importantly, not just explain, let's correct it. What can we do to correct this issue? So last week was all about low back pain in running. And I went over the four most common faults or characteristics of running mechanics that can cause low back pain. And I talked about which structures are usually involved. This time with the knee, I'm going to switch it up just a little bit. I'm going to say the location. If your knee pain is here, this is most commonly what is the cause and corrective of this pain. So the three locations that I'll be going over are front pain, knee pain on the front of your knee or anterior knee, knee pain on the inside or medial, and on the outside of the knee or the lateral aspect. In addition, I'll go over three of the most my favorite exercises for all runners for knee pain. Super general, super shotgun approach. If I had to, if you said, Matt, your life depends on it, What are the three most helpful exercises for runners that have pain or to prevent knee pain? What are they? I'm going to give those up in this episode with the three things. So let's get this started. As always, I like to start with some foundational knowledge. What is some information that would be helpful to know coming into this to be able to better understand the concepts? And here we are. Just just like last week, I went over anatomy, the anatomy of the spine. I'm going to go over some anatomy of the knee and then jump into the location because when it comes to what is the pain, where is it coming from, what are the structures involved, when it comes to location, we have a much better understanding of what structures or tissues are involved to have a better understanding of how to to heal this up and to get on our way. Also, disclaimer, if you are a clinician, I know there's a lot of clinicians listening to the show and I appreciate that, but some of the stuff you probably already know. 
but I want to make sure I don't leave anybody out. And I might speak in a way that hopefully just resonates with the most amount of people. That you don't have to have a ton of knowledge of anatomy, biomechanics to understand this stuff because I truly just want to make a difference and help as many people as possible. So kind of bear with me here. So first off, what is the structure of our body? What makes up the framework? Think about a house. If we peel away all the layers, what's left? The studs, the wood, the beams. Well, our body, that's the bones. The bones of our body make up the structure or the framework. If you look down at your knee, your knee it's just, it's a joint. What is a joint? A joint is where two bones come together. Two bones, your top bone of your lower leg, your, your femur. And then your tibia is the lower portion of your lower leg. Those two come together to make up a joint where two bones come together. We call that the tibiofemoral joint, the tibia and the femur. And why do we have joints? Well, can you imagine if my leg, there was no knee joint, it was just one super long bone? How would I walk? I, it'd be hard. I'd have to only use my hips. Joints allow for more freedom, freedom of motion, more chances or opportunities for movement. And so our knee, if we look at the kneecap, why do we have a kneecap? It's very different than other parts of the body. The kneecap, our body's smart. It's amazing how smart our body is through evolution. Your kneecap is what we call a mechanical spacer. It's a spacer that helps to increase the leverage of the quadricep muscles. Our muscles are movers of our body. We talked before when they contract, they shorten, and that creates movement. So we kind of have two separate joints when it comes to the knee. We have the tibiofemoral, or the one that's more the weight-bearing structure that has to do with the femur and the tibia. And then we have the kneecap, which is the sesamoid bone. It's just floating. The, you can, if you have your leg all the way straight, have your muscles off of your quadriceps, you can grab on your kneecap and wiggle it around. It's crazy, right? The moment you start to bend it, you see you can't do that as much. It gets locked in. Well, that reason we have that bone is for that mechanical spacer. But what can happen? What can happen with all this stuff? Too much loading, too much stress, too soon. Episode four, shin splints, I talk so much about this. But what our body does to help go between two bones, it wouldn't feel good if two bones were just rubbing together, right? Our body puts cartilage. Cartilage. Cartilage serves as cushion and helps to create this frictionless service to have good fluid movement. And again, this is going to come into play when we talk about pathology and injuries later on. So we've got our bones, which are our structure. We've got our joints, which is where two bones can get, come together. We have our cartilage, which is like this cap over the connection point where those two bones are going to come together. We have this extra layer of cartilage or tissue that helps for cushioning, protection, making things smooth. I remember back in school, we learned a stat that good, healthy cartilage is 17 times smoother than ice. Think about that for a second. That's crazy how smooth that is. And so when we're coming to the role of cartilage as cushion and protection, that's when we'll know in later what potentially could be involved. And again, our muscles are our movers and our muscles, how they connect to that framework, how they connect to the bone is through the tendon. Tendons are just extensuations of the muscle. Okay, let's get into it. So of the three, we're going to start with knee pain that's located on the front the front side, right in the front. 
So a lot of times, if you ever hear someone say runner's knee, that's typically what they're referring to. And what this has to do with is that spacer, that kneecap. If we were to take your kneecap and peel it up and away, the backside of that kneecap, there's cartilage. That is what can become involved with pain that's on the front side of your knee. You also might have heard the term patellofemoral pain syndrome. Those are just fancy words for saying runner's knee, for saying pain that's in the front of your knee that has to do with this extensor mechanism or the kneecap. What causes this? Matt, why does this happen? Well, just like with everything, too much stress, too much loading of our body weight of impact too soon can cause tissue breakdown. Everything has a limit. But most commonly, what I found with the cause of runner's knee, pain in the front from a technique standpoint is the runner is breaking and or what we call overstriding they're breaking back think about this with me imagine you're running straight ahead on a flat surface you come up to a downhill what's the first thing you think well usually one great i don't have to work as hard but two your knees you know how stressful it is running downhill and why is that when we're running downhill we're forced to also lean back and that shifts our center mass, that shifts our body weight backwards and it creates a really large torque or stress on the back of the kneecap. Try to picture this with me. If you imagine I was holding onto that kneecap, if I imagine like a bow and arrow where the further that I pull back on that bow and arrow, the more stress is on the back side of that kneecap. When we bend and lean back and the more knee bending that we get, there's a lot of stress on the backside of that kneecap. When I talk about a lot of runners commonly, when they're running on a flat surface, they're not leaning at all. They look like they're running downhill on a flat road. So what does that mean? If you see someone that's running and or yourself, if you're not leaning at all, this is you. This is what commonly happens. And as a result of sitting with their weight further back behind the knee joint, coupled with the braking effects of every time the foot hits the ground, there's an equal and opposite reaction coming back. This is what very commonly we'll see large braking forces can cause knee pain in the front of your knee. What are some clues that this may be you? Pain with sitting. You sit for a long periods of time. When someone's sitting, there's not as much weight through the knee joint. Talk about there's two joints, the kneecap joint and then the tibia and the femur joint. Well, the tibia and the femur, that's mainly loaded when I'm standing upright. My body weight is going through my knee joint, through my foot, through the ground. But when I'm standing, the stress on the back of the kneecap isn't a whole lot. It's not till we start bending. Well, if you're sitting in a bent position with your knees bent for long periods of time, while there's not a lot of your body weight through your knee, there's a lot of stress on the back of the kneecap. So that's what we call, it's been called cinema sign, where you might sit for a long period of time and it might start to ache while you're in that sitting position. And then you get up and it's kind of stiff, it hurts and you get moving and sometimes it eases up, sometimes it doesn't. But that's something that will be aggravating is sitting for long periods of time. A lot of times we'll see that with stairs, it mainly, it doesn't feel good going up or down stairs, but just like how running downhill, that eccentric where the muscles are controlling our body, controlling movement, going downstairs tends to stress the knees a lot more. 
Usually when people go downstairs, they tend to also be vertical or lean back because they don't want to fall down. Their weight being back behind the knee joint causes even more stress to the knee. In addition, their whole body weight now is loading through that kneecap as they lower down. Other tools or tips or clues might be when the runner is running, you tend to also look upwards. You tend to look up. Looking up, again, can cause us to not lean at all. And the final clue is actually reduction in range of motion of the ankle joints. Now, if you're someone that has tight calves or tight ankles, episode one, way back in the day, I talked about what usually causes tightness of the calves. I talked about this test that you can do where you try to see, can you go three finger breaths away from the wall with your foot? Can you tap your knee to the wall without your heel coming up? And that's what we're checking. It's a way to screen your ankle range of motion, that folding, that dorsiflexion. So what happens is if somebody has tight ankles, that's some of the time reason why they're not leaning. They're not leaning. They're not leaning at all because they can't. They try to lean forward and it's blocked. So someone that has a restriction of their ankle mobility or their calves can be a clue or a causation of someone that has pain in the front of your knee. Correctives. My number one corrective that I'm going to say for this one is just how running downhill is problematic for our knees. We talked about how running uphill can be helpful. And why is that? Running uphill, naturally, we lean forward. We tend to lean forward, hinging at what? Not the hips, the ankles, hinging at the ankles. The ankles. We don't want to be a hippie. So what I found is sometimes I'll do this on a treadmill where I'll have somebody run on a 3% incline, look straight ahead. What do you feel? How do you feel or appreciate that lean? Do you see how that makes you lean your body forward? I want you to try to mimic the mechanics. Mimic the mechanics when I take this incline off and maintain that same lean. Okay, ready? Boom, take the incline off. Oh, you feel yourself starting to lean back? Nope, lean forward. Okay, let's go up again. Back and forth. We're, we're syncing up the mechanics with the hill. We're mimicking the mechanics as we take the hill away because that's a feedback. We don't want to become reliant on it. So that's a great way of working on running on a flat surface with uphill running mechanics. Next one, pain on the inside part of the knee. Call this medial. If you're looking down more towards your thighs, pain on the inside part of your knees, what is commonly the cause of this? Well, usually this comes from bounding. Talked before, we've got to learn to take the jump out. Bounding is this blending and mixing of going up and going forward, this up and forward instead of moving purely forward. And why is this? Why do we get pain on the inside of your knee? Well, the higher we go, the further we come down, the more impact, just like with jumping. And the way that our anatomy is, the way that physics and biomechanics works is for every action, there's this equal and opposite reaction. Even with just walking, it creates this bowing stress where it loads. We call this a, a varus moment is a fancy term. This loads that inside compartment of your knee. At your knee joint, we talk about there's two separate joints, the kneecap and then the tibia femoral or just your knee joint or your femur and your tibia. There's two separate compartments in there. It's kind of like one drawer that has two separate little shelving units in it. So same structure, but slightly different. 
that inside, that medial portion, that's what takes a lot more of the stress and the load when our foot comes back down to the ground. Our center of mass, every action, equal and opposite reaction, that stress comes back towards our midline, which creates that. So this is a little bit different. This is a different joint. So the pain is more towards the inside part of your knee. What are some clues with this? Besides the obvious, the pain's on the inside. Typically with this, they'll experience, runners will experience morning stiffness. Motion is lotion. Movement helps to lubricate the joint, create synovial fluid, which is like the oil. It helps to loosen things up. Someone's sleeping. They're unloaded for a period of time. They're not moving their knee for a period of time. That morning can be a little bit stiffer or a little bit more sore. They notice as well that stairs are uncomfortable. Both going up and going down tend to hurt. They don't always have a, a preference or which one is better or worse than the other, but they don't like stairs. They also may have been told at some point they have that loud running, whether it's on a treadmill or outside, it just sounds loud. That means they're going up high, they're dealing, they're creating more impact forces. They tend to have a lower cadence or a lower step rate, around 150 steps per minute. We talked about if someone's up in the air, that's less time for them to clock these steps. And if we're trying to get closer to 180, if they're up, up, up in the air, that's less time to accumulate steps. So they'll tend to have a lower step rate, around 150. You may have seen pictures of you in races or videos of yourself. I highly recommend everybody. You will learn so much just by videoing yourself. But you may have seen in a picture or a video, your wrists are way above your elbows. And that's why I talked about an axe killer going up and down with your arms versus going forward and back with your arms like a handsaw. The handsaw is associated with gliding. The axe, the up and down, that's associated with jumping or bounding. So there's a clue that this may be you. Also with that vertical oscillation or the visual oscillation, Talked before again, but I want to make sure I'm going to say it a million times. If it you, clicks with you this time, it's worth it. I'd rather over-repeat myself than nobody know it. This up and down that we see, if you look at someone's head from the side when they're running, the up and down that you see, it's actually down and then up, not up and then down. What I mean by that is as they leave the ground, they move horizontal and then they cushion, they land, they soften. And then when they leave the ground, their head then returns to the starting position. Ideally, if they're six feet one, I'm six foot one, I could run in a room that is six foot one in height. I'm not going up higher than my height. I'm moving up and down, but it's occurring at less than my height because of that forward lean and because of the gliding and using my hips, the push with the tush, I'm pushing the ground backwards. My body is gliding and moving forward. That's why it's a down-up, not an up-down. So what's the corrective? You got it. Let's take the jump out. There's a lot of different strategies. We talked about the tennis ball necklace strategy where you can wear a tennis ball necklace. You can learn to keep the ball as quiet and as still as possible, make it not hit you. But ultimately, what we're trying to do is we're trying to learn how to use your hips to move you forward and not your knees. Think back to earlier where I said, imagine if you had one long leg, one long bone, and there was no knee joint. How would you move? I said, you'd have to use hip strategy, right? Well, that's kind of how I want you to actually run. 
I want you to actually run using your hips. Your hips, your hips are what are responsible for moving your leg backwards on the ground, which in turn is moving your body forward. Try not to use the quadriceps, the muscles on the top of the knee, which guess what? Connects to your kneecap, which guess what? We talked about pain in the front of your knee, which also loads the inside compartment of your knee. So we're trying to learn to move forward using your hips. We talked about your hip is just a joint. What muscles are, what move joints, what moves our body. So when I say push with the tush, what I mean by that is I want your glute max, which is responsible for that pushing motion. And pushing is defined as moving an extremity away from you, away your, your body is the point of reference. So pushing the ground backwards away from your body to move your body forward. Push with the tush. Hopefully that clicked with somebody. Okay, moving right along. The third, pain on the outside of the knee. And just a quick point of reference. I, and yes, I'm a physical therapist. I'm almost 35 years old. I've been running for 12 years. I've been running for longer than I've been a physical therapist. And I used to have all these injuries. I feel like every injury that I talk about, I've had at some point. I used to get so down and so mad about it. And I was like, why is this always happening to me? And just like with everything in life, we have to turn something negative into a positive and see something positive out of it. I thought, you know what? If this is worth it for me to get these injuries, to understand, to have empathy, to have the knowledge, to be able to help my patients, then it's worth it. But guess what? Now that I've learned how to run safer and more efficient, I don't have any of these pains anymore. But I've experienced all these at some point in my life. I'm down to about 200 pounds. I used to be about 220, a lot of muscle, but also a lot of fluff. And I was a big boy runner. And so with a big boy runner comes more stress, more force. So I've leaned out some, a lot more over the years, sometimes more than others. But what stays the same is just learning how to move my body forward as efficiently as possible and not overwear, overuse parts of my body like my knees. I used to get knee pain about every two months. It would flare up. I couldn't run for a bit and then it would get better. This was before I understood about all the mechanic stuff. And if you look back at videos of me, guess what? I was breaking. I was a hippie. I was hinging at the hips. I was bounding. I was jumping up and down. I was doing all these things. These are not, when I say these things, sorry, it's a little quick tangent. I don't want, you're not wrong. Nobody's wrong. I would never tell somebody you are wrong. It's just we could move more efficiently. Just like if a brand new business started operating and they were doing, they were wasting a lot of money. They were doing policies and procedures that weren't necessary. They didn't have to do. And then somebody came in with a little bit more experience, that's all, and they wanted to help. They said, hey, did you realize that you don't have to do this or do it this way? That's all this is. It's just helping you to move more efficiently. Nothing's wrong. It's just learning. So, anyways, here we are. So, pain on the outside of the knee. Outside. What do you think about with this? Yep, IT band friction syndrome. Episode 7, I talked all about it. IT band friction syndrome. What usually causes it is twisting, twisting. So go back to your leg. We talked a muscle as it inserts into a bone is considered a tendon. Ligaments are what connects bones to bones. It's like duct tape. There's not a ton of movement with them. Their main job is protection, but the muscles as they insert into bone is the tendon. You could argue, but it's generally the IT band is a long tendon. Your tensa fasciae lata, TFL muscle, 
on the side of your hip. That goes down the side of your leg and it turns into that thick, thick band that you cannot stretch. It's like me stretching out my keyboard or a textbook. You can't stretch it. It's the material itself is so firm, but as that goes down and it crosses over the knee, there's this point where it's a little ridge, just a little mountain. And all what our body does not like is shearing, stress types is a type of force. We've all been talking so far about this kind of gravity, your body weight through the ground, this loading, this vertical up and down loading. Shearing or stress is like if I take my hands and instead of just if I'm clapping like a seal up and down, that's this impact that we've been talking about mostly. But now if I'm talking about shearing, it's like I'm moving my hands forward and backwards, forward and backwards, forward and backwards on top of each other. That stresses things totally differently. And the fiber orientation or how we're built or how we're we're made, it has certain motion that it's great of controlling and protecting against. And it has some motion that it's not. That IT band, as it goes over this little mountainous structure, this condyle, we call it, of your lower leg bone, every time if you're twisting, we're going to see that band go over, over that ridge, over and over and over and over. And so while this isn't as much of a body weight or a load issue, it's more of a twisting. It's more of a shearing issue. So twisting is one of the most common causes of pain on the outside of the knee. And then you ask, what are some other clues? Well, if you sit with your legs crossed, you could have some pinpoint pain. This is more localized. It's more sharp. It tends to present itself during a run later on in the run. And then when it comes on, if you keep going, it gets ticked and then it's mad for longer periods of time. And it just keeps getting worse. In the beginning, you might have a little twinge. It goes away. And then after a while, it gets where you feel it after running. Sometimes in the early stages, you only feel it while you're running and that's it. And then in the later stages, it's like, man, I feel this even when I stop. And then going down the stairs can be super problematic. It puts a lot of stress on that IT band. As it goes, as it goes over that condyle, it's adding even more load to it. So it does not like going downstairs. You may experience some snapping or clicking. If it's so tight on the side of your leg and you're literally feeling the friction and hearing it, that's a sign that this may be you. Commonly, this is what I see a lot of times. I need to do an episode on this or a post. I just ran the Boston half. It was awful weather, but I did it. (laughs) But I saw some of you out there. That was fun. But people that carry their cell phones, whether in their hand or on their upper arm, what that forces you to do is has your arms out wide. We rarely ever tend to have your arms resting comfortably towards your side, holding a cell phone. So what I see a lot of times, especially if that phone is on their upper arm, having their arms out wide running like that, what that does, it almost forces the runner to twist. Arms out wide, I then start rotating my arms, my body, try to create some of that forward momentum when really it should just be my arms going forward and back at the shoulder joint, not rotating my whole trunk. But anytime we have that twisting or turning into the system, and usually this runner is also not leaning forward, they're kind of sitting their weight back, they're also going to be combined that with the twisting to create this pain on the outside of the knee. So where should you hold your phone? Anything around your center of mass or a belt line is your best bet. I usually have my phone in a little case around a belt, and I have it literally right towards my sacrum or my backside, and I keep it there. If you're trying to hold things in your arms, it is going to throw things off. Short distances, no, it's not going to matter. But over two hours, thousands of steps, thousands of arm swings, 
It will. It will change your mechanics. So how do we crack this one? What's the correction for this? Gain and retrain. Gain and retrain. Most commonly with this, what I see is a lack of range of motion of straightening the knee and of the ankle. And so as a result of not only just twisting, when we have less real estate or less ankle range of motion, we're going to be forced to make up for that lack of motion at the ankle, at the knee, or at the hip. And as a result, we're getting more motion, more, more stress, more friction at the knee. So gain it and then retrain it. Improving your hip and ankle range of motion and then retraining how to properly push. Push the ground straight backwards, not turning, no time for turning, but working on having that straight plane. This is where I used to focus on the pull, but then I found by focusing on the push, pushing the ground back instead of focusing on pulling the leg forward, this goes away. You don't have to think about it. And this is through trial and error. You just think about the pushing straight back and it doesn't have time to go around. If you're focused on the pulling your weight forward, your weight forward then you're going to be sitting back. This is another tangent, but I was going to do a post here soon of don't run like a puppet, rump it. Puppet, they tend to sit back their weight. They're lifting, they're picking their feet up the ground like a puppet. And instead... Rump it, push with a tush, use the glutes. So that's another one. But anyways, long story short, no twisting. We're trying to move in this forward and back plane and not rotate and twist and shear and get the stress. Some of the three movements or exercises that I'm going to talk about will have to do with this, addressing this with ankle range of motion as well. So I'll take a quick moment and share a review that I had, five-star review. Again, I so appreciate you guys rating, reviewing. It helps the show to grow. But Michael 23 Jordan 84, I imagine not the real Michael Jordan, oh, that'd be great. I do live in Charlotte, North Carolina, said on September 14th, 2022, Hey, I just wanted to let you know after listening to a bunch of your podcast episodes and implementing your advice, I shaved nearly two minutes off of my two mile run time. My previous best was 16 minutes. And I just yesterday ran 14.10, feels amazing, and my knee isn't hurting like it ordinarily does after pushing myself. So again, thank you, Michael, and thank you for all those that have taken the time to rate and review this show. All right, Matt, what are they? What are the three top three exercises for all runners? Everything I just mentioned, if I had to pick, what are three things everyone could and should ideally do? Here they are. And I'll, have, I'll post pictures and explanations of these as well. But the first one is what I call body weight, just quadriceps, the quadricep muscle isometrics. I'll break that down in a second. The second is another isometric. I call it the hip burner. If you've ever seen me in the clinic over the last 10 years, you've done this, I'm sure, at some point, where we're standing on one leg. We've got a ball between the other leg and the wall. We're pushing into the ball sideways, trying to squish it and feeling the burn on the outside of the hip, the glute med, the queen of the glutes. We'll go over that one. And then the last one is improving your ankle dorsiflexion range of motion or mobility. First one, why did I pick isometric quad sets? So picture this with me. I'm sitting down in a chair, kick my right leg forward. If I say, Matt, straighten your leg out, straighten your knee, what most people as a compensation will do, especially when they have knee pain, is they will tend to pull their ankle up, which is just tightening the calf muscle behind the knee, thus straightening the knee, 
or they'll try to use their hip. They'll try to use their hip to try to straighten their knee. But the only thing that can truly lock out or fully extend your knee joint is your quadriceps. So I'll do this exercise. I'll have people have one fingertip on the outside of their glute, glute max, the other fingertip on the inside part of the thigh, above the knee, on that quadricep muscle just above the knee. And I'll say, okay, I want you to keep your ankle relaxed, and I want you to squeeze this muscle, pointing to the fingertips just above the knee, and I'll say, I want you to push your fingers out as you contract that muscle. It pushes the fingertips out, but I don't want this glute muscle, this other finger, to feel any contraction at all. And undoubtedly, after a while, they'll just they'll use their glutes, they'll use their ankle, I'll say, nope, try again, try again. They'll go side to side, wow, it is easier on the side, I don't have pain. And retraining was just how to use that quadricep, how to have the normal, the normal range of motion of the knee to get it fully straight and bend, to take the knee through its full excursion, to truly use the quadricep muscle. And a lot of times, as a result of this, of not being able to straighten the knee out, not knee out all the way, they lose that straightening range of motion. So this is so therapeutic to wake up the quadricep, the neuromuscular retraining of the quadricep without the compensations, and also helping to improve that straightening range of motion. I usually have people do that, especially the first day, three times a day with meals, 10 reps, 10 reps, 10 second holds, 10 for 10. Boom, boom, boom. As the days go by, the weeks go by, we can take it away. Once they don't have to think about it, where it's just automatic, where they can activate their quad without the conversations, it feels strong. They're pushing their fingertips out. Then we can move on to more challenging exercise or then loading with more challenging exercises. All right, the, the body weight, the hip burners. So imagine you, I usually use an exercise ball or, or a stability ball or a Swiss ball, but you can use a pillow. So imagine this, I'm going up to a wall and I'm facing my left side of the wall. The left side of my body is facing the wall. I would put roll up pillow. I would put that pillow just above my left knee on the outside between the wall and my leg. And then I would shift all my body weight to my right leg, soften that right knee. And then I would lift my left foot off of the ground. So now I'm just standing on just my right leg, knee slightly unlocked. From here, the only thing I'm doing is I'm trying to smush that pillow. I'm trying to push the outside of my left knee into the wall using the muscles on my left side to do that, my hip abductor muscles, the queen of the glute on the left. But guess what? How we use these muscles with running is actually how the muscles are firing on the right. That queen of the glutes, the glute me, the glute min, some of the TFL, is working really hard to keep your pelvis level and stable when you're on one foot. Because what happens if you don't have a stable pelvis, if you have sloppiness in the hips or lack of hip strength, we talked about collapsing before, that can increase the stress on the knee, tremendously increase the stress on the knee. So working on the hip abduction strength. This one I do 10 for three second holds. Sometimes you'll have to take pauses. If you're doing it right, it burns like crazy. It looks so simple, but it's so challenging. This is one that I don't usually progress after. This This is all we need. Just like with running, talk episodes 10, 11, 12 for strength training to be beneficial. We have to challenge the muscles how and more than we use them with running. With these muscles, their main role is just keeping our body weight stable. 
They're not meant for producing force. They're just keeping our pelvis stable. So there's a limit to this exercise of the, there'll be a point of diminishing return, but that's number two. And again, you can do this one every day. It's more of a retraining, more of an activation exercise. We're not really tearing down muscle tissue where we need extra time to recover. But once you get to the point where you can do this easily, 10 times, three second holds on each side, that pelvis is staying level, then we can maybe progress to an unstable surface or there's other ways that we can progress if needed. Next is the ankle mobility. I try not to make it too complicated. We talked about the ankle joint. If my foot's off the ground, call that open chain. If I pull my ankle towards me, kind of like a drawbridge, we call that dorsiflexion. Plantar flexion is opposite where I'm pointing my ankle and toe downwards. But that dorsiflexion, that's the most important when it comes to running, but where it happens or where it occurs is when my foot is on the ground. So if you put your foot on the ground and you see how far, just standing up, how far can you get your knee past your toe without your heel coming up? If that's tight, whether it's in the ankle joint itself or in the calves, by spending time there, spending time in that restriction, in that tightness, and repeatedly moving into it, out of it, into it, out of it, and trying to increase the range that you can go with that motion, you can help to improve it. By just simply doing it, the joint likes the repetitive motion, the muscles like static holds, and I'll post a picture of this. I would recommend 15 reps of driving your knee past your toe with your heel down. Sometimes you can use your hands to pin your heel bone down to get that stretch of the ankle joint, and then stand up. Take that same leg, put it behind you, heel down, both knees straight and knee bent, and lean forward. Hard to talk about verbally, but I'll have pictures of that. But the main goal is go into the range of motion that's restricted repeatedly and also spend time there as well in that restriction. This is a good example of silent culprit, noisy victim. The noisy victim is the knee. The silent culprit is the ankle. All right, Matt, you talked a lot. Can you just summarize in one sentence what I should do for my knee pain? Yes. (laughs) Thank you for asking. I want you to learn how to propel your body forward at the hip joint using the hip musculature while leaning forward at the ankles. Let me say that again. I want you to learn to propel your body forward at the hip joint using the hip joint muscles while leaning forward, hinging at the ankles. So what's the slang? Push with the tush and hankle, baby. That's what it's all about. PWT and hankle. Clinicians, if you're interested in learning how to teach your patients or to be more specialized with your runners, check me out. I've got two versions, the Learn to Run System and the Learn to Run Method, both available online and in person. The Learn to Run System is broken up into seven skills, a little bit more detailed, And the Learn to Run method is only three skills, and it doesn't involve video where the seven skills involves video. Again, there's something for everybody. So visit Learn to Run, L2R, 101.com, and just click that you help runners to see the options. I want to thank my friends at Omega Sports for sponsoring the show. They've been keeping the Carolinas moving forward for longer than I've been alive. I highly recommend checking them out locally or online. Of note, the views and opinions of this show do not reflect those of Omega Sports. For better or for worse, they are my own.
I really hope you enjoyed today's episode. We're getting ready to wrap up season one. Next episode, 18, will be the last episode of season one. We'll kick off uh, season two in the new year in 2023. If you want to vote on the topics or you have anything you'd like to say for me for the show, you can email info at learntorun101.com. And as always, if you could rate and review the show, we would greatly appreciate it. The Omega Sports Learn to Run podcast is available on all major platforms. Until next time. Bye.